Welcome to the Anxious in Austin slash Australia podcast. Yeah, welcome. Thanks for listening slash watching. Dr. Marianne Sout and watching, yes. Yeah, and I'm Dr. Thomas Smithyman. Oh, and That's there's a dog. Dr. Floyd, the <laughs> yes. dog. Wonderful. Um, and today, as per Thomas' request, we are talking about the role of meditation in mm-hmm. treating, aiding, anxiety yeah. treatment. Um, yeah. yeah. So, should, should should we meditate to help with anxiety? That that was a question. Um, and as always I'm going to ask you what made you so interested in this topic why do you want to pick this mm. I mean I think because I uh, like I meditate a lot and I like it and I think it helps with my anxiety um, and it's something that um, like I, I was it, it sort of in some ways came out of a little bit what we did last time so our last podcast was on exercise for anxiety and um i was thinking about well there are some basics that i kind of tell everybody i work with oh you should really do these things they will be helpful Mm -hmm. so one of them is exercise one of them is meditation one of them is sleeping enough sleep yeah so like those are the sort of those foundational things that i'm not necessarily making our treatment exercise therapy or meditation therapy, but those are things that I, I want kind of mixed in as like um, ways to increase resources, basically. Yeah, yeah, ways of bringing the baselines down, and um, especially for meditation, I believe it works on there's certain mechanisms that make therapy go better, the, and that that meaning like you you treat anxiety better if you've developed skills. Of meditation so that that was my that was my why for this okay I love it yes um I have like so many thoughts I'm trying to organize all of my thoughts as to how I (laughs) Uh speak this in a coherent manner um yeah good good for you for trying to make it coherent (laughs) it's because my brain is a jumble at all times yeah yeah so trying to organize those. Um, I, I plan well, to also, as, as, as I'm doing each week, I do want to have a little Thomas's social anxiety corner where I give oh. my little social anxiety specific stuff. But so I just, just want to prep people for that's coming. So get ready. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yes, I, t- I mean, this is hard because I always recommend meditation in our work with anxiety but I think for different reasons maybe than other therapists do um when you think like a mindfulness meditation work um because I think right like the relaxation piece of it and the like activating that parasympathetic nervous system or the calming response piece is obviously helpful when it comes to working with anxiety Mm-hmm. but specifically more with some of the mindfulness-based meditation, how it is so effective in working on that attention training, right? Like the disengagement totally. and shifting your attention. I think of totally. that as like some of the core treatment in working with anxiety disorders. So a lot Same. of the yeah. research that I looked into didn't really talk about that aspect per se. Mm. I mean, a lot of okay. it, what I saw was like MBSR, uh, right? Um, mindfulness-based stress reduction mm-hmm. research being helpful, but I think a lot of it was didn't kind of um, look at the components of it as to why. I was just trying mm-hmm. to see, like, mm-hmm. is this correlated with lower anxiety? Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I, I came across some of the why stuff. So. Okay. Oh, that's good. When, when we um, get into that, I'll sort of give you what I found. Yeah, so I feel like often people will be like, yeah, I know meditating is a good thing, or I've tried it before but not really seeing how like this specific piece of it working on the like detaching Mm. from anxious thoughts and shifting your attention is really like a fundamental part of the treatment. Totally. So so do you you want to talk about, since since you brought up, do you want to talk about why that's helpful? Like how it works and why it's helpful? Um, Now I'm feeling on the spot. Sure. Uh, (laughs) Or else else I will. (laughs) 
Sure. Well, I mean, just thinking of like an attention model piece, right? Like the, the more that you give attention to anxious thoughts, the more you're reinforcing them, the more you engage with them, um, mm -hmm. the more that they grow, kind of thinking mm -hmm. of like, yes, attention as a reinforcement tool. And so what totally. I give more attention to, the more I have. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, the more that I'm like giving my attention to anxious thoughts or even like to depressed thoughts, right? The more time I'm spending with them, the more I'm going mm -hmm. to keep having them. And so the goal being detaching from those thoughts and shifting attention so that I'm not kind of feeding them with my attention. Totally. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I, I think of it in obviously metacognitive therapy terms, which is, yeah, same, same thing. If you, if you engage in get up, get stuck up in your head, engaging with worry and rumination, then the more you worry, the more anxious you get, the more you ruminate, the more depressed you get. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, so that that skill of like learning to recognize, oh wait, I'm I'm up in my head engaging in these unhelpful thought, you know, spirals. I'm sure. going to take my attention off this and place it somewhere else, which is yeah, and it sort of increased attentional control. Sure, even like using it with OCD too, right? Like that the, when I do more of like the thinking compulsions, right? If I might be doing totally. like thought replacement and um, mm -hmm. things like that, even that maybe it's not necessarily worry, but it is giving my a lot of my attention to thinking about um, these obsessions. And sorry, my dog is speaking of uh, right. controlling of attention. Yeah, everybody is watching. Just control your attention. Focus on our faces, not on the dog. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you, Floyd. Um, so yeah, that piece of like, I can choose whether or not to engage with the obsessions, right? Give these obsessions all of my, my attention, or I can practice like disengaging from, from the obsessions or the thought replacement or what have you and shifting my attention to, you know, my values or where I'd like my attention to be, not where OCD wants my attention to be. Are you still laughing about my dog? No, no, no. Oh. Uh, I, well, I mean, yes, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm over it. But yeah, that, that, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really useful. I was thinking too about um, that attentional. So, so the, like I really emphasize in treatment that goal of um, the focusing attention piece of meditation. That I mean, that's really one of the mechanisms that's really useful in these ways for, tr for treatment. I mean, for the worry and rumination piece, I'm getting lost in my head. I'm doing all this negative sort of worry rumination stuff, but also. Um, it's training you to focus your attention um, where it's useful, which for like for social anxiety, self-focused attention is such a big piece of what goes wrong because you, your attention's on yourself, you're self-conscious and you're imagining how you look and you're mm -hmm. playing these things. You know, it's that, that self-focus versus external focus. So mm -hmm. when you meditate, you know, at least the way that I, you know, there's various ways, but the way of like noticing, oh, my mind has wandered. Now I'm going to take it back to focus on whatever boring stimulus I've picked, whether it's breathing or a mantra or whatever. Um, that process of, oh, my attention's off. I'm going to bring it to where I want. That's training attentional control. So with social anxiety, it can train you to stop the self-focus and get more externally focused. It's Which really, I, this really is like a tangent, that. but that's when I think of like, um, when we practice doing the like focus on the breath meditation, I think of that as such an advanced skill, right? Cause mm. the breath is so boring. You're like oh inviting God, so in so many other thoughts. And so okay. I'll talk it's about like, boring. this is, yeah. yeah, we're, this thing we're actually doing right now feels like, you know, everybody chooses like focus on the breath cause everybody has breath. But that is such an advanced skill to keep bringing your attention back to this super boring thing. Whereas if you can practice on something that's a little more engaging, right? Mm -hmm. Like something you care about, um, right? It, it's a little, it's a little less difficult. It's a totally. It's like not as advanced of a practice. I, I, <laughs> so yeah, if you're, if you're able to do it boring. with focusing on the breath, <laughs> yeah. then like, yeah, you can do it in more difficult situations. <laughs> Which is funny, right? Because one of the, I think one of the other benefits, like the other whys of why meditation is useful, is it's not just that it's training you to do it. It's also that like 
like let's say you spend 20 minutes meditating that's 20 minutes where you're deliberately choosing not to be up in your thoughts so it gives you this like break from being mm -hmm. up in your head in your thoughts which we spend so much time just automatically or habitually doing that that i think that's part of why people are more relaxed at the end of it is they've just not been having the all that time spent background mm -hmm. yeah background worrying so it gives you this break because you've like you keep catching it and forcing it back to the boring stimulus and the boring stimulus is not triggering you mm -hmm. so it gives you these little gaps these little breaks and it's training you to have the skill to intervene in the future in situations that matter whether it's socially or whether you find yourself ruminating after things or worrying before things or trying to deal with your anxiety by thinking your way out of it in your head, you know. Um, what, what I think was funny too is thinking about that idea of like we're trying to train um, like attentional control, like that being the purpose of meditation, not necessarily like bliss and oh, yeah. calm and still might you know kind of all the things that are sold we're selling something pretty different we're selling I've, attentional control muscle mind muscle building you know i know i talk with clients about like yeah that calm piece of it is like a nice side effect but that's not yeah, like really what we're working effect. toward here but like yes the marketers behind you know big marketing corporations behind meditation that is not how they're trying to sell it they're not saying, hey, you can increase um, your attentional control, which will yeah. allow you to do. It's and Along those lines, like I, I was thinking of, uh, I think this happened in the group that we run at some point, but like I think we were trying to, we were doing like a meditation. I, my, my memory's hazy on this. The takeaway is clear, but the memory's hazy. I feel like we were trying to do a meditation or something. And then like there was a bunch of noise happening out in like on the street or the parking lot or something. And it was while we were trying to do a meditation and everybody was getting distracted and like this discussion came up about how if you're meditating, how annoying it is when you can't get complete silence and people, things that disrupt you and there's this background noise. And I remember thinking that that's in some point. ways, like that's such a funny response, you know, and I'm sure most meditators will probably think that same thing, but really... No, we're actually training you to focus your attention on what you want, regardless of really the noise in your head, but regardless of distractions. So the idea that you should have no distractions in order to meditate is really wrong <laughs> from our point mm -hmm. of view. You totally. Know? Well, I think of that too, it's like I was presented as like, you know, the relaxation piece, everything is nice, but that's not really what we're trying to get at here. Inevitably, yeah. <laughs> when I'm done doing yeah. like a meditation with a client like that was so great and relaxing i'm like i know i know i know that was nice yeah fine, <laughs> fine, fine we're fine. like yeah <laughs> that's not the, yeah. the skill we're learning okay so nice. i'm trying to think some of the other the other reasons that the why so so i think one is that being more sort of the attentional control one is um being more detached so just does it teaches you to have that distance from your thoughts to uh, the benefit of that being an anxious thought comes in or an anxious emotion comes in and rather than um, getting lost in it and having it kind of control you, you get, you're able to step back. So um, you have to step back so that you're aware of it, but you're not in it and it makes it less upsetting, less distressing. So like I, the, the metaphor I use for this, cause it's, cause this is one of the things that, the benefits I think I get out of meditating, that one of the things I notice is um, if you're getting distressed for some reason, you get triggered, um, the storm is kind of is still there, but instead of you being in the storm, getting pelted with like rain and hail and wind, you're like inside kind of nicely, nice and safe, looking out the window at this big storm. Like that's the difference that I feel. That's that being that detachment from it it's still there you're noticing it you're noticing even the body effects but you're not in it and you're not wrapped up in it so it doesn't distress you i like it yeah. trippy yeah. yeah have you have you ever had that experience yeah yeah, yeah. sure
Um, yeah. I mean, I've struggled with like some pain issues in the past couple of years. And I think of it, it's helpful in that realm too, right? Totally. Like thinking of like totally. being able to yeah. look at the pain in mm-hmm. a different way as opposed to like being in the first person experiencing the pain and not able to really think. Totally. Yeah. Kind of like watch yeah. it a bit and not feel so overwhelmed by it with meditation. Yeah. I, I had some, I had some good, uh, like I, I had a really, like a, my pain got a whole lot better um, when I started responding to it with basically that detached meditation, like mindfulness meditation, where um, instead of doing like the instinctive thing with anxiety or pain that they're so similar, is I'm having this negative experience. I'm going to focus on it, but like stress out about it, worry about all the, like what it's going to do, catastrophize mm-hmm. how bad it's going to be, think about all, oh, try to worry my way to solutions. What if I do this? What if I do that? Maybe there's this, maybe there's that, trying to force it away, trying to like push. <laughs> and, and so I, I had this big, uh, really like a, a big kind of breakthrough when I started responding by um, just calmly, like this is that mindfulness meditation part, like calmly, non-judgmentally observing the sensations, like minutely just observing what the sensations feel like um, without going into the sort of that anxiety protection response and, and, and sort of like, you know, the, the mindfulness meditation helping me teach my amygdala, this is okay. This isn't something worth panicking about. So, especially since we know both anxiety and pain, if you do a, a big um, sort of panic, anxiety, defensive response by trying to avoid or get away or, or worry or catastrophize, it's going to get worse rather than better. Mm-hmm. So, this w- this brings me to one of the other, and I think pretty convincing, potential mechanisms for why meditation is helpful, um, which is uh, exposure. Like, so I think people don't think about this, but like, I, I, I kind of do, I think about it this way. So exposure, right, is you face, you face um, stimuli that trigger, yeah. Mm-hmm. Face your fear situation. So one of those is, like one type is the interoceptive exposure, which is facing feared sensations. So I think I think what happens in meditation, sometimes, right, this is why I don't sell the calming part of it, because one, sometimes you meditate and you're not calm. Mm-hmm. You meditate and it's a time when you've been triggered in some way and you feel like your emotions are up, you're feeling anxious, you're feeling stressed out. And um, when you sit and just let your stuff happen without fighting it, you you will feel discomfort. Mm. Like I've had that, you know, there's periods of time where I've, I've been, it's been very uncomfortable for, while I meditate for a while. And then there's times where it's nice and calm. But that I mean, the meditation approach, right, is if you feel like if you allow mm. the um, the emotions to come in and the sensations that come with it and the scary thoughts that come with it, if you allow that stuff to happen without fighting it, you're actually doing an emotional exposure mm. because you want to go to all your defensive stuff. You want to avoid it. You want to get up. You want to distract yourself. You want to... Um, worry a solution to it you want it like all of those those um defensive responses you want to do that stuff but if you don't it's basically like the emotions come on and you're doing exposure with response prevention yeah uh, there's both like in both exposure and the mindfulness meditation there's like an acceptance piece right that you're not like it can't be there it's not there. It shouldn't be there. How do I keep it from being there? They're both mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, it's here. Totally. How do I want to respond totally. to it? It's here. How so do I, wanna... I, yeah, I'm, I'm accepting it. it. I'm going through it. But, mm-hmm. but also, like, you're going through it with this mindset, I think, being 
anxiety specialist, going through it with this mindset of, yeah, if you sit with it and don't suppress it or fight it, it's going to be an exposure. There's a really good chance it's going to come down within a certain amount of minutes. And like Which I, is why they always say, like, focus on this part of your body and this part of your body and this part of your body and or like doing a body scan and notice how like it might change just on its own. Yeah, and it does. It does. And like I've, I have, like I practice this with my, with my clients. If they're really upset about something, then we do this because I, I do this myself too. Like I have people sit and, you know, close their eyes basically and focus their attention on the emotion and especially on the sensations. Um, really, as a, and part of it's a way of getting out of the thoughts, which will are likely to keep worrying and ruminating and into the body into the emotions and the sensations um, and then watching them, allowing them to be there because it ends up being an exposure and the goal is watch it and see how it changes, like which, which aspect, like name the body sensations and then which one changes first and how. So it ends up being this sort of mindfulness exposure and it teaches people, hey, this does goes away on its own. It shifts, and, which is makes me think of like that. Um, I don't know where I first heard this. Probably like grad school, but that like nothing makes an emotion want to stick around longer than by telling it it can't be there, right? Yeah. Like the same thing yeah. of like if I try to suppress it or squash mm-hmm. it or ignore it, it's gonna stick around. Totally. Yeah. I, like if I can allow it to be there, that's when it starts yeah. to shift. Yeah. If, if you let it, kind of let it do what it needs to do. And you sort of, and you allow the exposure, the emotional, I think it was as emotional exposure, you allow the emotional exposure to, to happen. And it's funny because in, in our exposures, like the traditional anxiety exposures, we're doing this stuff. It's just that we're, we're evoking the emotion on purpose through the situations we're putting people in. But once we put them into it, we're trying to have them not fight it not use responses, just let it go through the body. This is another way of doing that. And yeah, so that's, that, I think that's one of the other mechanisms as to why this is useful and helpful. That makes sense. Bit, yeah, it's a, I think of it as being a different, like there's all these variations, there's all these different types of meditation, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's a tricky so, piece too. And yeah, people are like so, taught how so to do it so different differently. Mm-hmm. And the expectations are so different. Like, like the biggest, I'm sure you have this too, but the biggest uh, barrier I find is I tried to meditate. I couldn't do it. I kept mm-hmm. having thoughts. Yeah, if, if someone's given you the impression that meditation means not having thoughts. Clear your head. Yeah, right? then you're going to feel like you can't do it. No, mm-hmm. I can't clear my head. <laughs> I've been doing mm-hmm. this for years. Yes. Good luck clearing your head. Like that's, yeah. that's not how brains work. Yeah, and in fact, the the goal, you know, that that attention shifting goal requires you to have thoughts. Mm-hmm. You've got to be pulled off in order to You're realize the exercise. Come back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love the analogy. I always use it. Um, I steal it from you. Of mm-hmm. that, like, um, if you had a clear mind, it's like preening in front of the mirror but like every time you work on disengaging from a thought and shifting your attention it's like doing another rep at the gym like thinking of it yeah and that way like that's the actual work like you're yeah. actually like that's doing the, the right stuff yes when you're mm-hmm. when you're shifting your practice that disengagement and shifting attention it's not like oh i'm doing it look my so I'm totally focused <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm so healthy look at me right yeah which yeah, those... i think like lets people feel like they are more skilled or less people feel like this isn't so um unattainable then right if they recognize like oh i'm supposed to be having thoughts that's okay i'm not like failing at this because i'm i'm having thoughts like it just totally. shows you're alive you're you have a functioning yeah. brain good job <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know i know in, i think it's buddhism they call it the monkey mind because mm-hmm. it's like always sure. jumping around everywhere from vine to vine doing all this stuff you can't mm-hmm. You're not trying to shut it off. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think, um, I mean, to me, those are kind of the major mechanisms as to why it's helpful. Um, we probably should mention 
it's helpful, right? Like research-wise, did, did you dig into much of the research on? Yeah, I did. I saw one uh, uh, meta-analysis that said it was not helpful, but they did say the caveat of they didn't look at adherence to it. Like, like they told people to meditate, but they didn't even, they didn't check to see, like, did they actually meditate? And so mm. there was all, you know, so people assigned could, group of meditators. call that research into whether being told to meditate told to is meditate. helpful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've <laughs> only every other research told I to meditate. At. Yeah, okay. Yeah, every I'm other research told. I Everyone's been told. I was like, wait, that's so weird. And then it was like, of note, it didn't look at adherence. Because that's in contrast to everything else that I read. Yeah. Right, same here. It's like, that's strange. Hmm. (laughs) Which could be the same for anything, right? Like adherence, you have to actually do the thing for exercise or taking a medication or doing an exposure, right? If you're just told to do it. It's not even, I mean, calling it adherence makes it feel like it's funny. It's really just you, if you don't do the thing, you're not going to have the results of the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I'm hungry. Yeah. Someone told me to eat, but I didn't eat, and now I'm still I'm hungry. I'm still hungry. <laughs> it didn't work. Darn it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's let's take it as a given. In order for meditation to help, you have to meditate. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Although like, I will say, one research study I came across said that on average to find significant results, they said it was like two and a half hours a week. And I was like, that seems pretty lot. excessive. Yes. That's a lot. What meditation are they doing? I don't, this was one of the. I, I do that. 20 minutes a day. Well, that, actually, no, that's, that's probably wrong. I've traditionally done 20 minutes a day, but like I'm, do, I'm doing sort of, I do multiple meditations a day now, different types. But I've just done 20 minutes a day, which I thought that was pretty standard. I would wonder, just in thinking of, like, the research on exercise, right? Um, Although, although now that I think about it, it isn't 20 minutes a day, about two and a half hours. Oh, maybe. Yeah, Yeah. seven days times 20 minutes. I think that's, yeah, anyway, okay. (laughs) I bet you find more results sooner than that, though. Well, I was just thinking of like the exercise stuff on like the 20 to 30 minutes, three times a week being yeah, efficacious, which makes me, yes, yeah, like wonder if that's similar of like, I would just be curious if there's yeah. some similarity there with okay. it of increasing resources. Mm-hmm. That, that seems reasonable. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't come and, and also that. like, I, I, I'm wary of telling people they have to do a large level task like i like the idea of just do a few minutes each day i like um yeah uh headspace who feel free to give us money for this plug but i like i like headspaces because they start you with like five minutes or something like super short Mm -hmm. and they slowly kind of build you up i think i think that's a really nice method of kind of getting you there which I think of for like any new skill, right? Like anything you're trying to do, if you start to go to that like all or nothing place of like, you got to do it four hours yeah. a day to get yeah, any results. Like who's going to do that? Yeah. Nobody. Stress you out. Yeah. So. Um, but, but, but you found like overall. <coughs> um, yes. Uh, you found overall it was helpful. Yes. In every other research study. <laughs> yeah. Which I is why we have multiple research studies on the same thing, yes. by the way, because we, we can't just look at one and say, it's solved. You really need to replicate and look at a whole bunch, you know. That's why we look at all the reviews and meta stuff. Which was why I was like, wait a minute, this is looking at some meta-analyses. What's going on mm-hmm. here? That caveat is important. Um, yes, uh, I saw... Um, a lot that were uh, uh, meta-analyses found moderate effect size for mindfulness-based inf- interventions. This one looked specifically at mindfulness-based stress reduction, MBSR, which is like a specific treatment protocol using mindfulness. Yeah, it's, oh. it's, it's an eight-session, eight I believe it's an eight-session intervention. And it's really, unlike some of the others, it's really focused just on mindfulness meditation. Mm-hmm. So, um, and yeah. I looked at some in showing that that had moderate effect size of treating 
uh, reducing um, anxiety in GAD. Um, trying to think of some of the other one that's not looked at. Actually, looked at research on exercise and meditation, and said they had similar effect sizes in um, treatment, which was fantastic and also made me think like, huh, so, this might be like so one of things here. Sorry, we found that that exercise and meditation had similar effects in that study. Mm -hmm. In reducing anxiety. Mm -hmm. Was was that the was that the social anxiety study we talked about last time? No. Mm -mm. Interesting. Nope. Huh. Mm -hmm. Because I, I came across that same one again. It's funny. It's, it's like I came across the same study, but from the um, meditation side. Mm. And it said, hey, this you know, this this meditation treatment was helpful. Um, Equally helpful was exercise. So it was funny because it was one of the same studies, but from the meditation side. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think of other. Oh, one of the things we should probably talk about too is that you had sent me like, oh, there's this recent article in the Atlantic about like how popular meditation yeah, is now. How it's and people talking about. Yes. And a big piece of it was um, talking about how like it's, serving a function right like having a more obviously it has a lot of its foundations in buddhism but a lot of people at least in the u.s who are using meditation mm -hmm. are coming at it more from like a, a secular place um mm -hmm. but using it as a way to do a lot of the things that religion would do they would meet in like group meditations and uh -huh. so having some yep. of the social aspects that religion would historically have people um, have told me that group meditation it's really like I a, used to do one. really like about it. Yeah. I loved it. I did it at mm. UT. Uh, it would meet every week, um, like over lunch once a week, and I loved it. It was great. I was, like for the community building, even though you're all like silent, silent and eyes closed while you're doing yeah. it, right? But um, this feeling of like you're not alone. Oh, well, you, dog. You, you, dog. And doing dog it in, um, the so the community aspect of it oh and the accountability piece of it I thought was mm -hmm. really helpful right like it's not yeah. I, I have this place I need to be every which like right religion if you think of like going to church or synagogue right like you're all agreeing to like meet mm -hmm. and go pray which could be a very you know private thing but you're all meeting at a place together to do this very private thing mm -hmm. so in a similar way like that um like I'm being held accountable to do this I kind of made a, a, a time set aside for it but there is this like sense of community that we're all doing this thing mm. together. Um, and it talked about too, in the article, how it was helpful because um, it was a lot cheaper than therapy. It <laughs> 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 was like a $12 meditation class or meeting that you went to. Yeah. That therapy yeah. is a lot which, more which I, Yeah. Although in reality, it's an, an adjunct to therapy right. to like exercise. rather than replace the therapy, therapy itself. But it's not like, yeah, it's not like I yeah. would just say like never get therapy and just go exercise yeah. and your depression will be cured, anxiety will be cured. That, that is the issue with an anxiety disorder. <laughs> if you're just a nice person, calm person who's feeling a little bit stressed, <laughs> then that's going to be good. I think it's good long term for you, but yeah, it's, I, yeah, based on the research, we wouldn't say replace replace yes. therapy with going to a group meditation um and an yeah. interesting thing sorry this is my own personal sure, soapbox yeah. but yeah. was that she was going to a meditation because she wanted to go as opposed to just doing it at home with an app because this one was sold as working on um letting go of resentment mm -hmm. and so it was, there was like working on letting go of resentment and increasing yeah. then like some compassion for others and it made me of course mm -hmm. thinking my like self-compassion totally. research on like increased self-compassion increases compassion for others piece of it too yeah. and there is like one of the main components right of self-compassion is using some mindfulness-based meditation to be able to disengage from your suffering and shift your attention away mm -hmm. from it so being able to take breaks from from suffering so yeah. Oh, full circle. It's nice seeing self-compassion come up. Yeah. It's a, uh, um, I mean, which is interesting because right? it kind of takes me to the topic of, like, we know um, it was 
in all the meditation treatments had like moderate effects um, when they were compared with like when the meditation at least I found when the meditation stuff was compared with like traditional like actual anxiety treatment processes it didn't do so well like it was like kind of the takeaway was like it's promising and it's, there's good components to it um, but uh, the most the most effective was when there are some meditation uh, treatments where it's like there's a meditation component and there's cognitive therapy or there's like behavioral therapy mixed in mm -hmm. with it and those tended to be in general more effective than just meditating so mm -hmm. my takeaway from that part of the research was um you still want to have both like you don't want yeah. to expect yeah. i'm going to meditate each day and that's going to take care of everything i think of it more as it's going to give you these really good mechanisms that are going to be beneficial um but you probably still want to recommend going through an actual like treatment process Sure. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think of that with so many, right? When I'm talking about like increasing resources, right? Like addressing sleep, addressing, um, you know, exercise, stress levels, all of those things. I think of it as like, yeah, ways to help, but it's not necessarily like doing the same um, targeted treatment that like totally. cognitive it, behavioral it, therapy. You kind of need, need to get that. Your, like, yeah, specific yeah. thoughts about and ways of behaving and ways of engaging with um, your anxiety. Yeah, it's going to be so. It's good adjunct work. For yeah, for I, sure. I, I think I mean that's how I think. Like, kind of like with the exercise, same same sort of thing. These are the sure these things. Yes. Look, there's this research that this says, "Hey, helpful. this is helpful just on its own," but add it into <laughs> the mm -hmm. real treatment that you're doing, and it's going to work together. It's kind of how mm -hmm. I think about it. Totally. Um, yeah, but but I guess what I was gonna get to is um, uh, you had said something that made me think about the different types of meditation. So oh. you know, yeah. you, you mentioned you mentioned the the, oh, the MBSR, MBSR, which is mm -hmm. really mindfulness meditation training. Mm -hmm. um, from, I think I think from John Kabat-Zinn originally. It right? is. Yep. Mm -hmm. yeah. He um, started this in um, hospitals, right, to work with uh, people with, um, was it cancer? Uh, yeah, it's chronic pain, yeah. Yeah. Related to, I think, I think related to that stuff. But yeah, so, so there's that one, which is, that's in a lot of the research that's been around mm -hmm. a long time. Um, but then there were these, then there's like um, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, which was basically the mindfulness meditation parts of MBSR, but added with, they added cognitive therapy into it, right? So you got that, that's a treatment system that's combining the two. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's the, <laughs> I'm wary of opening this door, but there's the ACT acceptance stuff, right? Where there's, um, th th there's mindfulness components. Yeah, and there's, there's a mindfulness component. Yeah, it's mindfulness piece, and there's a bunch of behavioral therapy. Same with like DBT, dialectical behavior therapy. There's mindfulness meditation in it, and there's a bunch of behavior therapy and cognitive stuff. So there's there's some trims where they try to combine it. Um, but then there are like some of the research I did was actually looking at not those treatment programs, but just meditation itself. So kind of. Um, and I'm, it sounds like, like some a, of yours like too. A which is mindfulness like, meditation versus like a mantra meditation versus yeah, like totally, a guided yeah, so, meditation. Exactly. So, so the ones that they reference like, um, yeah, like mindfulness meditation and mantra meditation where you're repeating a phrase internally, like transcendental meditation. I personally love mantra meditation. I do that every morning and I'm a big fan of it because unlike the breath, which is so boring, and allows many thoughts to intrude. <laughs> Mantras are easier. You repeat, you're repeating a mantra in your mind, and so when you get lost in thought, you come back to something that's verbal. <laughs> and so it's on the same, you know, worry is verbal. So 
the, it helps to interrupt the worry process better. So I'm a big fan of March meditation. Less research on it, though, unfortunately. There's still some because of the transcendental meditation. But, um, yeah, mantra. Um, I do think of this, I don't know the research on it, but yeah. with some of those guided meditations, yeah. I think of it as you're still working on shifting your attention, right? Like mm-hmm. not engaging with other thoughts, but it's easier because you're kind of following a story, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Love totally. stories. I think of it as like a easier practice of meditation, whereas like a breath focused meditation is much more of an advanced meditation. I, I get sense? that. So, so okay. when you're saying guided, are you talking like guided imagery? Because that's um, that's a yeah. viable meditation style. So, I have personally, I have a very hard time with guided imagery. God, I love it. Why? I, mean, I can see why people like it. My brain does not like it. Like, if someone tells me, "Hey, you're you're on a path and you're walking, and then this thing happens," my brain's like, "No, it doesn't." <laughs> you you see this thing going to this thing and i'm like no you don't you see the opposite happen my brain just doesn't it doesn't yeah it's like don't tell me what to do that's my my brain imagery wise i cannot do that assessment right there yeah yeah so i doubt that's necessarily a common issue but that is an issue for me i cannot i cannot make myself visualize things in that kind of way it just it just it backfires so I do other stuff, but I have I have worked with people who found it very helpful, and it is one of the traditional traditional like meditation styles. Oh, this is why I brought it. I brought this up though. So you got those ones. Um, you do have the the movement based meditations, which oh, are also mm-hmm. helpful. You know, like yoga and qigong and tai chi, which I am definitely doing tai chi as soon as I'm able. Because I've always thought it seems wonderful, and it combines my interest in martial arts with my interest in meditating. So I will definitely well, be doing that. Well, even one. like I think a common one in some of the mindfulness meditation, which might be like again an easier meditation, a less advanced one, is like a walking meditation, right? Same sort of thing. Yeah. Incorporates movement to it. Easier to have your so, attention yeah. go to physical activity than just breath. Well, it's funny you should mention that because one of the studies I looked at said that the um, active meditations reduced anxiety in people with anxiety disorders more effectively than the static. It's not as hard. (laughs) Yeah, it's not as hard. I think also, too, like one of the issues with anxiety is that it pumps you full of adrenaline. Sure. So you've got all this extra energy. It's why why exercise feels so good if you're Mm -hmm. anxious. So I think the moving, moving meditation that gives you something physical to do, which yeah, that's that's an outlet for the. But I was going to mention, which you would like, is there's also um, loving kindness meditation. Mm, I love Loving kindness meditation and the and compassion based meditations. (laughs) Excuse me. And and those are, those are pretty different. So, so like sure. with, so with uh, Sadaka Mantra meditation, it's a focus. You're choosing to focus your attention on a particular experience, a mantra, a breath. For a lot of mindfulness meditations, the idea is like opening up your awareness and allowing things to come in non-judgmentally. So you're observing your present experience without judging it or sort of like having a big reaction to it. And then the loving kindness or compassion ones are actually you're specifically focusing on initially a ton of self-compassion, mm-hmm. how to be feelings of compassion for yourself and then for like other people you care a about, loved one, other people. Then for like a acquaintance and then for people you hate. Yeah, I know. And then, then the entire world. And so this is, it's a meditation, it. but it comes, but it's, it's a different it's a different line of meditation, and it's this building compassion and kindness, which I I didn't see too much that was just looking at that, but I do wonder what the outcomes are. I mean, the outcomes definitely some of them are increasing compassion, and as you as you talk about the increasing compassion leads to all these wonderful 
psychological benefits, apparently. So apparently. I do. Apparently. <laughs> I don't think it's I don't so I don't have it. all the details. Right I'll now. believe it when I see it. <laughs> so, so I've heard. Um But yeah, that's that I think is I'm leading it's probably your influence, but over time I'm leaning more and more towards <laughs> self compassion things. And uh so one thing I think about for social anxiety, right? So the shame component of it and how helpful self-compassion is for that, for combating that. How specifically for, how specifically for social anxiety? Well, really two things. Self-compassion specifically for social anxiety is so helpful because such a core part of the problem is this negative self-perception and self-criticism. Like it's such a core issue. If you can change that, you're really changing everything. So the idea that you're working on sort of self-compassion, so you're not so critical, wonderful. But on top of that, if you get to the point of where you're practicing compassion for other people, that means you're getting off the self-focus, self-processing. It's externalizing you to other people, and it's teaching you to be focused and caring about them, which is really it's the opposite of that self-protective social anxiety this is this is externally focused and it's warm and kind i which also yeah i was was just thinking like it also makes me think it's hard to believe other people are judging you so harshly when you are feeling compassionate towards them right like i think there is a piece of that with it too that it's like starting to change your cognitive perceptions of other people right that other people are all just out there waiting to like judge me and cut me down as opposed to your foot, because I'm like, oh, I'm seeing the kindness or the good in other people. Yeah, or you're also seeing, like, they they suffer as well. Mm-hmm. You know, that common humanity of their, you see their suffering as well as your suffering, then they don't seem so much like, well, I'm down here and they're up here. Mm-hmm. They're so far above me. No, we're in it together. And if that happens, it's much easier to connect, and that helps with that other fundamental shift of it from internal to external. And from like protective to caring, so I've I've been adding more and more self compassion kind of work into it, and also I'm slowly starting to add in this kind of other focused um, compassion work, um, so which is yeah. hard, I think. Right, like I definitely have plenty of clients when you're sorry not to hijack this in self compassion, but who mm-hmm. ha- really struggle with that piece of. I just, I, like, I don't believe it, right? Like, I can say kind things, or I can say that I'm not alone in my suffering, but I don't, I don't believe it. And so it's, it's, yeah, it can be, it can be tricky, which, right, could be a good setup for, like, observing that thought, as opposed to, like, I have to engage with Mm -hmm. that thought or believe that thought. Like, hmm, I can just notice it, that I don't believe it, or it's hard for me to, to feel connected to that. Yeah. I, I'm not sure if I mentioned this before, but when I'm doing um when I'm doing like self compassion y kind of meditation things or or like expressive writing, um I find it much easier to like talk to that vulnerable part of myself by saying you like mm-hmm you are worthy, you are this, versus mm. if I try to say I am this, mm. I have this big resistance walk moment. No, no, <laughs> can't do that. But if I say you and I talk to that part of myself, I receive it. It, it. it comes to me. I feel like I'm talking to that part of myself and that part of me feels it. But I'm somehow, like, it's, I'm allowed to give it more than I'm allowed to, like, if I was to say I, I would feel like, no, I'm like being arrogant or I you know but if I'm saying it to you to the vulnerable part of myself it gets in much more effectively that might just yeah. be me but yeah no it just makes me think of like we've talked about this before but um in that some of the like uh loving kindness meditation or some self-compassion mm-hmm. meditation it's uh the language is like that I have practiced and come across is like may you be happy, may mm-hmm. you be healthy, may you be safe, may your suffering ease. Yeah. It's not like may I be happy, may I be healthy, may I be safe, may my suffering ease. It really is like second person. Well, well that, that's, for, 
I think that's for the pushing out to you because I've I've been I've been doing um, I've been doing like a um, loving kindness compassion like meditation group on on the beach here uh, in the, the last couple of months. Yeah, it's, 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 it's been nice. Um, but they did they did have it's 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 a like a it's a Buddhist monk who teaches it. But there was this you're supposed to be saying I to yourself. And I, as soon as I did it, I was like, ugh, ugh. <laughs> I didn't like it. Yeah. I'm like, so, but if I, as, soon as, as soon as I said you, it was great. Yeah. I'm going to try yeah. that out. Yeah, try Thanks it for out. The tip. Yeah, so everyone listening, try it out. Try saying, you. do you remember like, like what the, the phrase is that you use? It's may, may you be. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. And may your suffering ease. Lovely. Okay. So try mm. saying that you versus I and see how it feels. Mm-hmm. So, or even I'm thinking of like... About yourself. Yeah, well, it makes me think too when we did the... Um, you and I worked on that exercise for self-compassion, right? It was... Mm-hmm. We were really kind of getting at like... Yeah. Me too, me too. But we were really trying to get at like almost like the parentification of it, right? Like totally. this comes out of some of the ideas of like... A, how a parent would call them a child. And yeah. so yes. they wouldn't say totally. I, they would say you. Yeah, so you would hear you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I I think that's I think that is a big piece of it. Okay. I know that you needed to get oh. out of here. So Oh, yes. So uh, let's do a little <gasps> do a little wrap up here. Oh, dog says done. That's fine. He's that's like, that's your timer. Dog alarm clock going on um okay so so the takeaway right is there's all these different types of meditation all those different types i mentioned there's there's evidence they work so i think just finding one that works for you is best you can find them really easily nowadays check out how there's space. apps i always yeah. typically recommend that one i think that's the best yeah but i i like mantra meditations i i'm not the only uh, there must be others who like it <laughs> most people seem to go for headspace i think it's an easier intro um i like uh mantra meditations deepak chopra has a has an app thing for that um or any of the other ones you mentioned you can just look it up and find things so easily online now okay thanks for listening okay. yeah th- thanks for listening thanks for watching thanks um for watching. give us do ratings or subscribing or thumbs yes, up like or, yeah, any of those things. One of those things would be great for us. Um, send us send us messages if there's things you want us to talk about. Yes, Marianne at uh, anxietyaustin.com. And then I have still a website that will at some point exist, thomassmithyman.com. Um, and, yeah, thanks. Go go uh, shut this off and then go meditate for a few minutes. Sounds good. Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye.